Welcome to Revive Health's Daily Briefing Live for May 13th. It's our 30-minute review of the latest, most important news, resources, and advice for health system marketers and communicators dealing with COVID-19. I'm Jeff Spear, guest host for Chris Bevelo today. And as always, we're joined by Chase Kleckner, our Senior Marketing Manager and the show's producer. Hey, Chase. Hey, Jeff. Good to see you. You too, Chase. Uh, Chase makes everything happen. As everybody by now knows, he's been the consistent force behind this podcast. So thank you, Chase, as always. Absolutely. Today, we're also joined by Ben Fuqua. He's our VP of Analytics at Revive Health. Ben's been practicing analytics for more than 25 years, uh, came, to sev- came to Revive Health several years ago from HCA and um, our data king and, and all kinds of things. Ben, welcome. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me back. Thanks for coming. Uh, as with each show, we're going to cover some of the latest news on COVID-19, a couple of resources we've got to highlight for you. Um, if you've got some questions through the show, please uh, throw them into the Q&A queue at the bottom of the Zoom browser here, and we'll get to as many as we can by the end of the show. If you've got a comment that you want to share with the group and your fellow listeners, you can put those in the chat function, but if you've got questions for Chase, Ben, or I, please the, use the Q&A tool. Um, also, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Search for Revive Health Daily Briefing Live. We'll also be posting a recording of today's show uh, by the end of the day. You can visit thinkrevivehealth.com slash COVID-19 as well for an archive of our podcast. We've had a, a lot of great guests and a lot of good information and some of that stuff is, is more applicable um, sometimes in different markets at different times. So check it out. Um, make sure that you're taking advantage of those things. A couple of important notes. We're not experts on COVID-19, so this is not a place for medical or scientific advice. We will share our opinions, of course, on how marketers and communicators might want to manage the crisis, but everyone's situation is unique. And in the end, got to make the decisions that are best for you and your team. So let's dive into, um, as we do every show, the latest count of how coronavirus is impacting uh, the country. Johns Hopkins tool is what we use, although there's different models. And as of right now, there are 1,375,949 confirmed cases in the United States. Uh, so almost 1.4 million, and we're at 82,806 deaths in the U.S., um, and that, that just keeps, unfortunately, going up. I believe last week is around 70,000 uh, on Friday or so. Um, we've also got uh, NPR there's NPR story Chase is going to put in the link. Uh, there's so many different models and they, they put a story out today about a new model that combines um, basically several different models, what they call an ensemble model prediction. And that is taking uh, data from and projections from the Imperial College, University of Washington Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation, which is what we all see a lot I think it's IHME, hmm. Columbia, UCLA, several others. And that I think is a pretty interesting one because it, it shows uh, where things might converge. And according to that model or the ensemble projection, I should say, uh, it's predicting 
110 deaths, 110,000 deaths by June 6th. So that's less than a month away and another almost 30,000 deaths predicted. A little somber news there. Um, Distressing, isn't it, Jeff? Yeah, it really is. I, and I think it things couldn't be more confusing right now for for everybody. Uh, for for our audience, I know it. Every market's different, but um, that's probably a universal theme. Confusion, at least. Ben um, Ben also had another resource we're going to share. It's a um, national patient and procedure volume tracker from Strata Decision Technology. Ben, do you want to just give a comment or two about that and what sure. our viewers might want to check it out? Sure. For those of us that are really into analytics, there's a uh, Strata conference every year in New York and San Jose. Um, I ran across this group there a couple of years ago, and they've put together something that's starting to track the implications of elective surgery decline, uh, the financial conditions, and then as things start to ramp back up, what it's looking at. So they're tracking that over time. This is something I just got uh, access to yesterday, so we're still digging into it, but I think Chase is going to put it out into the channel uh, for those of you that are interested in it. They, they basically looked across the United States uh, and are starting to approximate what the financial change conditions are going to look like over time as we recover. So pretty cool stuff. Yeah, very powerful and important information. Well, Ben's here uh, moving on to talk about consumer targeting. Um, and we really think it's an important time to do that, especially with the volatility of where, where things stands in each market and how things could change, open up, close back down, open up. Uh, and everybody, all of our listeners wondering, how can we help our organizations the most reach the people who need it, as well as help the organization uh, recover financially? But real quick, uh, Ben, as, as we said earlier, Ben's been doing this just for a little bit, quarter of a century. Uh, and uh, I, I think cons consumer targeting clearly with, with hospitals and health systems has um, kind of followed other industries. And Ben, you've worked in this role and in, in across industries and healthcare. So just give us a little history, I guess, right now on, on where healthcare stands today, maybe in what we can do and maybe what people didn't realize we could do versus what say the automotive industry or retail has been doing for a long time. Sure. So that could launch a dissertation, Jeff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> short and brief, but you know, what, what I, I have been doing analytics for a long time. Uh, yes, I haven't always been in the marketing world. That happened for me about 2010. Um, so what, what I got engaged in is starting to see how retailers, travel, transportation, um, host, uh, hotels were leveraging uh, customer data in order to better target the audiences that, audiences that they wanted to. So each of those has a different value proposition. They have different products that they introduce. They have different uh, attraction approaches. They have different promotions and they pick and choose who they want to talk to for specific purposes. Um, some customers might be the customers that you want to clear the rack at the end of the season. Some customers you want to tell, you know, new product launch is coming out. It's brand new. It's for you. Right. So 
the retail um, travel hospitality organizations have used that for a long time to segment who they wanted to talk to and then start to build out the kind of complex ways that they interact with those audiences and the channels that they used to do that with. When I came into healthcare, mm -hmm. what I saw was that there wasn't really that kind of focus. The, the promotional uh, activity, the advertising activity, marketing is pretty much top of funnel. And there's not really a great depth of tracking patients as they you know, become aware of a need right. start to check out a hospital. And then as they move down towards making appointments and having procedures done. So that kind of philosophy of moving from top of funnel to back to bottom of funnel, converting and tracking everything about a journey that a patient or a consumer might go through, isn't really solidified within the healthcare industry. Okay. And now I think with, with everything with COVID-19 and surgical volume that we're trying to, to rebuild and, and help people, you want to talk about how can we we leverage these maybe relatively newfound technology and and information um, for our audience. So talk about a little bit, Ben. What are the implications right now for hospitals and health systems when they think about how they target consumers? Right. So we've been talking about rapid recovery and the uncertainty around this time period, and none of us has the crystal ball to see how this is going to play out, right, and how fast, and whether there's going to be a resurgence. So as states, counties, you know, depending on the state, start to open up and make elective procedures available, hospitals have this short time window to refill uh, their surgical procedures, to refill their queues of patients, and the opportunity to identify which of those surgical procedures they're most adept at delivering quickest and think about what sort of financial impact they want to make in this short time period. Um, so we start to think about some of those segmentation schemes that we've seen in other industries where you really start to focus at the bottom of the funnel. It's really easy to go back and say, who are the list of patients that we had uh, previously scheduled for a procedure and go contact them, right? right? And that'll happen immediately and everybody has that list to work from. Mm -hmm. so immediate retention is an option. Who do I talk to next, right? So who, which audiences do you start to talk to who maybe have been patients previously, but you haven't seen them in a while, but you know enough about their previous care to suspect that they have a chronic illness or um, are sick enough that they're going to need to seek care sooner rather than somebody else. So that segmentation mm -hmm. idea starts to play into who's my next best audience to talk to in order to get them in quickly, take care of them, and simultaneously prop up our financial condition and return kind of to something more like normal operations. Yeah, and that, that, that targeting will allow you obviously to, to focus your resources where they'll most be impactful right. to customize your messaging and make sure that you're talking to people that, that want to hear from you or should be hearing from you rather than a massive group of people where talking about cardiovascular procedures may not be applicable to them. Right. And, and that's where, you know, you mentioned the, the technology capability. We start to look at, do we have the information that tells us which patients are most applicable to cardio? Do we have the delivery systems to be able to reach out to them cost-effectively, directly, mm -hmm. soon, 
right? And then do we understand how to evolve that communication over time based on what we learn? Because you know, a lot of health systems haven't had to be this direct in communicating with a population with this kind of immediate need uh, previously. It's, it's been more of a cultivating relationship building right. thing. But now we're really trying to hit that you know, pre-next wave kind of idea and, and pack things in pretty quickly in order to um, achieve that financial restabilizing effect and take care of patients at the same time. Yeah, there's a lot at stake and mm-hmm. all of our listeners, they, they know that they've, they've been realizing that themselves are hearing us beat that um, drum. So you've covered really well, I think, what, why to do this, what the potential is. If I'm a health system marketer dealing with about 5,000 things in my organization right now, this also sounds like, even if I've done it before and I've got the technology, rethinking it at this moment in time and figuring out how to apply that could be kind of daunting and knowing that we have to do it quickly. Ben, can you talk about what you think the process looks like for them? And and hopefully our, our listeners are taking a few notes here and can think about that for their organization. Sure. I think it's fair to say everybody starts from a different place, right? Mm-hmm. And the way that we think about consumer targeting is either we're starting from the outside in where we don't have kind of that sophisticated base of knowledge about our existing patients. And we might take an outside in approach there where we just don't know who to reach out to first. So let's use market demographic information to identify audiences that surround our facilities that have the right kind of high level characteristics that match our surgical interests or our procedural interests, right? The alternative to that is to start with a very specific core of patients that we know about uh, based on having access to that customer database, some of that health information married with demographic information, having some of that history of communication with them, and mining that basically to figure out which patients are most at risk and talking to them specifically or people like them specifically. So there's that outward in approach, there's the inside out approach. I contrast those two because I think everybody is at a different point. If you don't have that finite you know, information available to you, you can't use that to begin with. So you've uh-huh. got to start from the outside and come in. Okay. So our approach would be if we have access to that patient information, we want to start identifying who is Uh, kind of one of those chronic or most serious uh, uh, patient situations and communicate with that audience first. They may not have scheduled with us already, so we don't have them on the radar for kind of the easy, uh, we know who to communicate to event, you know, initially, but they're that second best audience to talk to. So we start with who is that audience? What are are the... um, the procedures or the institutes or the departments where we have the strongest capability capacity we're most operationally ready to return to and then find the audience that should be communicated to about that. Okay. Um, we, we look at this in, in four components, right? We've okay. got learning from patient behaviors, understanding consumers, which you talked a little bit about, developing the segments and creating the audiences. Um, a, lot of, a lot of data work there. Can, yeah. can, you, can you talk about what's behind that a little bit and, 
and um, just at a high level so our listeners can understand what goes into each, each, each of those components and what they might need to be thinking about as the most important aspects of it? Sure. So learning from our patient behaviors has to do with looking at that, uh, that set of merged information that we have readily at our disposal and the ability to execute based on that. So I've looked at a couple of different client uh, situations here recently. Some of them will have a customer database that marries information across their electronic health record. Uh, it marries demographic data, it marries appointment data, it marries uh, payer information. Uh, so they're able to pull that kind of detail into their customer database and then leverage that for audience creation, right? And that audience creation is kind of the art of who do I want to talk to about which specific uh, promotion or uh, maybe new surgical offering or available offering. So you're, you're picking that audience from that kind of detailed information and you can be a little bit more specific about how you find those patients. Uh, that's in contrast to that outside in where you're, you don't have that patient information and you're picking based on less detail about your audience. Um, so that kind of describes the way that we think about learning from those patient behaviors. We take the internal data that we find from our clients to profile patients and help us understand who they are as an audience. And then we append outside demographic data to it. What does that give to us? If we can yeah. identify, say, for um, a hospital in, you know, let's pick a city, um, hospital in uh, Buckhead, right, Atlanta. We don't have uh -huh. a there, so I'm not going to offend anybody. <laughs> Um, you can look at where their patients come from. So how far are they willing to drive? Right. Indicator. You can look at the, you know, simple things like age and gender for certain procedures, right? So that demographic data gives us additional lens to look at the potential patients and take our patient knowledge and then look outside of our patient set to consumers that look as much like them as possible. So that's where propensity modeling or lookalike modeling comes in and becomes relevant in taking a known audience and applying that out to an unknown audience. That's really critical right now when some things are, are completely up in the air. We do have a chance to either gain some new customers that, that maybe hadn't come to us before, um, but that are having a need and, and unsure of where to go and, and us reaching them first might really strike a chord. That's right. And, you know, you and I have run consumer surveys and we've been on this session for different mm -hmm. podcasts talking about the um, kind of the, the importance of making sure that people are ready to come back. Yeah. There are a couple of criteria that I think we saw in a previous survey and I want to, I want to look at those real quickly, but the, the risk of getting sick from other patients, facility cleanliness, PPE availability and staff health and cost was like one of the lower uh, concerns. I think we're counting on this kind of targeting following the communications of it's okay to come back. It's okay to come back. And even amongst our team, we have people that were previously scheduled for surgeries and they're hesitant. They're reluctant. Right. So I think the consumer targeting fits into a progression of communication where we have to reestablish that it's okay to come back message. And then we go into targeting and we learn from what works with those audiences because they're all going to be a little bit different. 
there's still going to be some hesitancy. We're still going to have to communicate some of that safety. Plus, we're available. We're here to help you. We know that you um, needed something that we have to offer, and it's available to you now. Mm-hmm. Well, what what about the segments themselves, and and really trying to develop those in ways that you can apply some of this, um, I guess, diverse strategies in some ways, and and really marry the segments to what you're operationally ready for. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a journey. So <laughs> the dissertation part of this to our conversation, this would probably be it. But uh, we think about collecting as much information from as many places as we can about consumers as they start a journey with our health system clients. Mm-hmm. So I may come in, your first experience with me might be I come to an ER or a broken arm and you collect who I am and you have this service and you may not see me for a while. Um, The next time I come in, maybe I'm looking at your website to find a primary care physician. I I think this really is where you start to look at the sophistication of organizations ability to collect information at different places and times and stitch it together. And that stitching together gives you information to use for things like segmentation or building out audiences. Um, those two words are used simultaneously a lot or synonymously mm-hmm. a lot, segmentation audience. Yeah. I, I think of segmentation being a higher level group. Uh, people will tend to build personas off of that. It gives them a target to go after. We do that sort of thing to explain to our creative team, this is our audience. This is a, a, uh, a description of our audience that's not data because nobody wants to hear me describe an audience in terms of data. So we give them characters, we give them characteristics. Um, I think that that segmentation approach is the act of taking all of that collected information and then using it to tease out differences in audiences that we then start to apply different campaign strategies towards. So I might have a really high value uh, patient group and we've done this recently with one of our uh, a couple of our clients actually, where we'll identify the most valuable patient population and we want to, for various purposes, talk to them more often than we do other audiences because they have such an impact on our operation. So we want to treat them differently. Um, you might see this in retail as a loyalty program or a mm-hmm. most valuable patient so or most valuable customer. So there's a different type of treatment that gets applied to those most valuable uh, customers in those situations. I could see that being really valuable um, in several ways right now. Number one is is what we've been talking about, the application of what you need in the next maybe two to three months as mm-hmm. your operations start opening up and you're trying to reach people in need, but also um, because of the uncertainty of what's going to happen with COVID. Um, if you know now, for example, who your major employers are that, that you want to target for open enrollment, building out that segment and having a customized campaign plan that starts even before open enrollment, talking to them about different things. And then during open enrollment, really calling them out would really be powerful. Um, or even thinking about near the last quarter of the year where a lot of deductibles are up and people schedule elective procedures and we don't know exactly what it will be the state of things then, but having the data ready and be able to fire things off as needed um, and, and what's appropriate at the time mm-hmm. will really, I think, push people past their competition. 
Yep, I think I think that's right. And you touched on something with the building that knowledge up. And that's part of the journey. You start somewhere and you build your knowledge up and you start to execute leveraging your understanding and you learn from that. Um, I talked about collecting data from everywhere that you can, uh, paying attention to who was in a campaign and whether or not mm -hmm. they responded to it, looking at the channel that was used for that campaign. Maybe that's not the right channel for that person. So we do things in creating our segments to tease out what we think their most preferred channels are going to be. And then we set up campaigns to communicate with them that way. But we always want to look and see, did that work? And was it right. effective? And marry that back into our knowledge for the next time around. So it really creates this learning process where you don't stop collecting information and trying to leverage that information to improve your targeting over time. That's so not like a project. It doesn't end. It just keeps going and keep building that, that kind of, uh, that kind of depth and understanding over time. And it's probably easy for people to think this is something um, that either they had to put on pause mm -hmm. or it was a long-term goal because look, to go from maybe where you were a year or two ago and then investing in the technology, figuring out the connections to data and systems. Um, I think we, we had a guest a couple of weeks ago um, Chris interviewed that, that said, look, all that MarTech investment is now going to come to bear. And it's amazing. And, and his organization said, uh, all of a sudden people are ready to do it all because um, they see the power of it. And is that really what, what your big takeaway right now, Ben, is for our listeners is that this isn't the time to, to push this aside because it's not a priority. It's actually more important than ever. I would go back to the way that you opened the, the question um, at the beginning of our podcast. Where is MarTech in the investment priority right now? I would say in other industries going back five years ago, six years ago, you saw the CMO start to have the same IT investment authority as the CIO. So mm -hmm. there was an understanding that the the organizations haven't historically had enough investment inside of marketing this capability of targeting is that valuable and that important. And in the absence of having uh, the CIO's organization set up to handle a marketing need and needing to drive that through marketing, that investment authority actually switched over to the CMOs. So I think you saw uh, a reallocation of, or maybe an increase of uh, funded dollars to start to invest in the MarTech environments because this capability is powerful. And it's important to ongoing sustainable operations to uh, to better know your audience and to better communicate with them. And the the uncertainty, the things that'll change, the whether it's what you can or or able to take on for procedures of volume, or what what your market may need, or even things like uh, how the economy and the drop in employer insurance. Um, may affect who you're targeting. Intelligence is going to be more valuable than ever for marketing teams so they can efficiently invest in target people um, and and not not necessarily shotgun approach. So while I, I think all of everybody listening is busy with so many things right now uh, and they may not be able to get to this right this moment, but last week we were talking to Jared about virtual care and telemedicine and, and our views that this is a huge new opportunity and it's a brand new market for everyone. And 
maybe don't put it on your plans for, for this month to deal with, but put it on the plans for the end of the summer to have a plan. I would say this is probably in the same bucket. If you can't do it in May, put it on the list for June and make sure that um, you're assessing where you are and taking advantage of and applying the power that you probably haven't been able to quite uh, utilize yet. I think that's fair. Awesome. Ben, uh, is there anything else, any parting words? We will do the dissertation next time, but <laughs> in, in about 20 minutes, I think we covered a lot of ground. <laughs> no, I, I would just thank you for uh, having me on the podcast today. I, I think this is an area of growth and opportunity for health systems. Um, there's, you know, there's obviously some, some challenges, I think, in terms of how health systems deal with thinking about targeting, right? Mm -hmm. And whether or not it's part of the way that they use their marketing dollars versus being more broadcast and more available to everybody and not expending dollars specifically on audiences with specific intent. So I think that's kind of the growth area right there is the, and the organizational challenges to, to confront and ask those questions to start. But thanks for having me on. Thanks, Ben. Always enlightening. That's it for today's show. If there's something you'd like to cover uh, future episode, please contact us on website. You can email Chase, uh, Chris, anybody, um, and we'll, we'll put that in the queue. I want to thank Ben again for joining us and sharing some knowledge. And as always to Chase, keeps everything going. <laughs> Glad to be here. Enjoyed it. Chris will be back tomorrow along with Sasha Bogosian, uh, our EVP of Insights and Strategy, discuss some primary research around consumers um, and some of the fears and, and what, what we're thinking they might be feeling and how, can we, how we can assuage that. So be sure to come back tomorrow. And remember to visit thinkrevivehealth.com slash COVID-19 for recording of today's episodes in our archive um, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And to all you out there, please hang in there. Doing a great job. And um, it's, I think we're, we're closing in on the completion of week nine if you start Friday, March 17th as your date, which is where I started. Um, seems unbelievable, but I, I think that what everyone's doing has been pretty remarkable and uh, still have a long way to go, but we can all do it. So hang in there and we'll be back tomorrow and every weekday until this crisis passes. <laughs>